this episode number 37, is that your favorite number? It is my favorite number, meaning this is episode 37 for Robbie Silver 37. Find me on Instagram. I'm trying to get to 700 followers by the end of the month. So I'd appreciate if you all could help me get to that milestone. But now that we got that quick promo Wait, out of the way. Wait, what are you web, at? Um, less than 700. I got like 75 or so to go. Oh, okay. Well... Because you use Instagram so often that I'm surprised you haven't reached that yet. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? That's beside the point. But I do want to move forward now and introduce this 37th episode of one of the greatest podcasts of all time, Potty Train Me. We are in the bedroom of our older sister, Natalie Silver, where we would often come in to wake her up on Christmas morning in the most ridiculous ways. So now could you have made that sound any weirder? (laughs) Translation, we're sitting at a desk in our sister's room just to piss her off a little bit more. And yes, because she can't wake up in the morning, we would like play music to wake her up on holidays. All right. I'm just going to let you finish the introduction at this point. Yeah. I don't know where you were going with that, but we're off to a really hot start. Uh, This is an episode we wanted to do because we just are at this phase where we don't really know what's coming next. I mean, this isn't like a goodbye episode necessarily, but I think it's pretty clear that since we started this back in COVID when nothing was really happening. Now a lot of things are happening and we're going through all these life transitions. And so it's just hard to figure out what the show is going to become in the coming months. And so you're home for just a couple more days. And this is where I am for the time being. So why not get a little what comes next action? That's also the title of King George's second of three songs and the great musical Hamilton. Wow. Okay. Um, great segue um, into our next discussion. But yeah, just uh, wanted to recap. You know, I like how you said this isn't necessarily a goodbye. It's maybe just to see you later, um, as the old cliche goes. Because um, as you know, we'll talk about maybe a little bit later in the episode, but you actually started a new podcast um, that obviously we're going to take the opportunity to plug in a moment. Um, so, you know, you might be busy with that. I'm starting my third year at school and who knows when we'll get the next opportunity to do another one of these podcasts. So, um Naturally, we wanted to start this episode by talking about a topic that is on the front of everyone's mind. But before we get there, I just want to plug the fact that when this began, you just finished high school, but now you're going to be one of the big boys on campus. That is true. At um, according to Niche, the number one party school in America. So there you go. Hey, you're not here for a long time. You're here for a good time. (laughs) Yeah. But please, what is this discussion that we've been meaning to do for a long time, but have never really found a way to throw it into the thick of an episode? Well, people often ask me, Robbie, what are your top five Harry Potter spells? And I say, you know what? I'm not actually sure. I haven't had the time to do thorough research and, you know, consider the good parts and bad parts about each spell. But now that I have this platform with my co-host, I wanted to actually come up with a concrete list of five in order. And I think that our listeners won't be disappointed by this list. Yeah, let's start from honorable mentions and then go five to one for a little bit of suspense, because I know that all of our listeners surely have turned up the volume as opposed to hitting pause or skip (laughs) or just exiting out of the app as a whole. So this is what we are going to do. The top five Harry Potter spells. You do get asked this question quite a lot, probably twice a week on average. And so we would like to take the opportunity to cater to that very special audience. And uh, how about I start with a couple honorable mentions? Because Gilderoy Lockhart is a character who 
not one of the main characters, not a particularly special character in the series, but he is kind of this quirky, funny guy, and he's worth giving a little bit of love to here. And he has a couple of banger spells that didn't quite crack the top five, but surely were worthy of our attention. The first one is Pesca Pixie Pesternami. If you want to go and either read the Chamber of Secrets or watch that movie, you will surely hear those two words when the pixies get loose in the classroom and he's trying to get them under control. Just a real tongue twister. It's hilarious and just kind of fits Gilderoy Lockhart's whole profile of trying to do a little bit too much and maybe biting off more than he can chew, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great spell. I'm glad you pulled that one out from the archives. You know, obviously, you know, there's a lot of great spells in Harry Potter. So unfortunately, it wasn't able to crack the top five. But Gilderoy Lockhart is a character that deserves some recognition. Um, So, you know, we had to throw that one in the honorable mention. And also, it has alliteration and it is a tongue twister. It's just a fun one to say, so I'm glad you brought that one up. He actually has one more in the honorable mention category. There's two out of three that belong to Gilderoy Lockhart. The second one is, of course, the famous Obliviate. He became well known for using this spell to wipe people's memories and then take claim to the heroics that they have done, basically becoming a fraud and route to glory and then this spell of course backfires on him toward the end of the second book when he tries to use it on harry and ron why would you ever try to throw a spell at ron weasley of course it's not gonna work and he ends up wiping his own memory in just the purest form of irony possible yeah that's just a little bit of poetic justice right there for you as you said you really don't want to mess with ron weasley it's just asking you know, for some bad karma. And um, yeah, so I want to move on to the last honorable mention before we get into the top five. Um, So there's a spell that you might recall is used to summon objects, and that is Accio. So, you know, pretty cool spell. Definitely has a lot of utility, especially for those of us who are maybe a little lazy. I don't know, maybe you're lying in your bed, you know, you kind of don't want to get up and you see, um, I don't know, a book across the room that you want to grab. So Accio could be a good spell. Now, it wouldn't be in the honorable mention category, however, if it didn't have a very special place in the Harry Potter series. And of course, I am referring to during the seventh book slash movie, um, The Deathly Hallows, when Harry Potter is actually searching for one of Voldemort's pieces of soul, he has the audacity to try to say Accio Horcrux to summon it because he didn't exactly know where it was or what he was looking for. Now, look, I mean, I applaud the effort, Harry, but did you really think that the Dark Lord was going to make it that easy on you? We're talking about one of the greatest wizards in the history of the Wizarding World. I mean, say what you will about his morals, but I don't think that that fact is controversial. Yeah, great doesn't mean good. No, yeah, you just got to respect his game. And um, I just think that, I mean, you were talking about this earlier. It's like Harry Potter, brilliant guy, you know, has a lot going for him. But that is one instance in where it felt like he got a little bit naive and, you know kind of was acting more like the chosen one than he has in other parts of the series. Yeah, all things considered, he wasn't incredibly cocky or smug to other people in relation to what he could have been for the type of attention he got by the entirety of society. That might have been one instance where everything got to his head just a little bit worth the try, but in no way in hell was that going to work, buddy. Yeah, absolutely not. But I mean, it was one of the funnier scenes in Harry Potter. So we had to throw it into the honorable mentions. But now we are going to get into the top five. So everyone, if you're listening right now, maybe stop whatever you're doing. Pull over if you're driving, if you're doing a chore, maybe just sit down on the couch for a little bit because you are going to want to have 
your utmost and undivided attention to this. And because Jay-Z once said at the beginning of a great song, Dirt Off Your Shoulder, turn the music up in the headphones, I would also like to invite you as somebody pretty much with the same level of greatness as Jay-Z, Hove himself, to put a couple notches up in the volume there on that iPhone. Well, yeah, I mean, as he once said, Hove's a living legend, and I'll tell you why. Everyone, everybody want to be Hove, and Hove's still alive. So if you just substitute Hove for Greg in that statement, I think that you could definitely use that as your new slogan. But coming in at number five (laughs) is Wingardium Leviosa. I mean, let's face it. It's fancy. It's elegant. It's a classic. And it provides one of the most wholesome scenes in the entire show, which, you know, maybe a little bit of teasing going on here. But and I say show. I meant movie series slash book. That is my apologies. But it is Ron being a snotty little 11 year old telling Hermione or is it the other way around it's Hermione telling Ron I believe oh wow anyway Ron and Hermione get into a riff Uh, it's Leviosa not or it's Leviosa not Leviosa yeah I mean wow we kind of butchered that but it was really should have done our research before so apologies for all you hardcore Harry Potter fans I will say that this is you know you know, the beginning of a little bit of romantic tension in these two. Of course, they do end up getting married. And it's one of the first scenes in Harry Potter, one of the first glimpses we get of the Hogwarts education. Um, You know, I agree, it plays a very important role throughout the series. And I think we also got to talk about what the spell does itself, you know. You want me, I want you, baby, my sugar boo. I'm levitating. That's right. You push the spell up and you get things to float up into the air. Tell me that's not fun. I mean, yeah. And if you ever played the Lego Harry Potter video game, you know that this one had a very prominent role in that. Absolutely. Number four. What is it? Number four is Lumos. And I know that this might not be what everyone expected because... I mean, although it is one of those spells that's used pretty often throughout the Harry Potter series, it might not have a defining moment in which you're like, wow, that spell played a major role in the scene. But, you know, when we're talking about top five spells, we got to consider a multitude of factors and not just the significance that they play within the series. I'm just saying If I were lucky enough to be a wizard myself, I think that Lumos would absolutely be in my top five of spells because, again, of the utility that it serves. You know, we have the luxury of an iPhone flashlight, which a lot of us probably take for granted. But if we were to have a wand that we could just use Lumos with, imagine how easy that would make our lives. Also way cooler. A lot cooler, yeah. Yeah, I mean, simplicity doesn't mean bad, and it is used frequently just because it doesn't completely alter the course of history in the Harry Potter wizarding world. It is still one of the fantastic spells and worthy of our respect on this list. Yes, absolutely. Number three is one of the most famous spells for even the casual Harry Potter fans. That is Expecto Patronum, which is to push away the evil soul-sucking Dementors. Clearly, in American society, the Dementors have gotten to some of the most powerful figures, but there are still some good ones out there who were able to use Expecto Patronum to fight them off. Of course, it's iconic, but just because it's mainstream doesn't mean that it's bad. In fact, it's amazing. Definitely worthy of being a top three spell. Don't know if there's anything else to add. I mean, I think it's just also notable that. Every single person who uses the Expecto Patronum charm has their own Patronus, which I personally think is really cool. It reveals a little bit about your character, um, kind of like what a spirit animal might be for wizards. And I will just add really quickly that I once took a quiz to find out what my um, Patronus would be, and I was a little bit disappointed when it was a porcupine. 
but huh. I have to accept those results. Um, I stand by everything you said, and I do think that it's amazing that it also adds a little bit of character to each witch and wizard. But well, my Patronus kind of looked like you, but I wasn't sure if it was entirely you. But after seeing your driver's license picture today, I'm a little bit more convinced that it is you just with a full on mug face. Well, what was your Patronus? They didn't tell me. They just showed me an image. Oh, I think my Patronus was you. Oh, wow. Well, I guess that says all you need to know about our dynamic. Okay, number two. This one, you got to love the language of it. And this is where context actually does play a role. It is Sectumsempra, which is a spell that Harry Potter found in the Half-Blood Prince book that made him a total stud in his potions class. He had no idea what it actually did, but this hoe has the audacity to use it on his rival Draco Malfoy in the bathroom when they're getting into a little bit of a riff and what happens. Well... I don't know if Harry fully understood the consequences of what this spell would be. He did end up cutting up Draco Malfoy's face in a brutal manner. Um, you know, just his whole body, his his whole body as well. And, you know, Malfoy was kind of a punk. You know, he got involved with the wrong people and he did obviously do some things that he probably regretted later in life. But I think that did he deserve to be cut up with the Sectum Sempra spell? Maybe not, you know. I think he wasn't a bad guy deep down, and Harry got a little bit in over his head using a spell that he didn't entirely know the consequences was, of course, because he found it somewhere else, which is also where this spell plays a major part in the series. Yeah, and this goes back to our discussion of great does not equal good is a horrible spell, it is not one that I would ever use on somebody I care about, and I probably wouldn't even use it on people I despise. But just kind of a crazy scene in the movie slash book, and just worthy of that number two spot. Now, number one, to top it all off, I know what you guys might be thinking. Maybe some Avada Kedavra, Expelliarmus, Crucio, so many others. It is actually not one of the three unforgivable curses in fact, when I was looking up what some other people had listed as the greatest spells in Harry Potter, this one didn't even make the list, which was astonishing to me. And to me, this was a clear number one non-negotiable because it was not only iconic for what it was and the results that ensued, it also was symbolic of love and friendship and true bondage. And I mean, I think you have to really say the words. Eat slugs. That is eat slugs from one Ron can't speak. Ron Weasley with this broken wand tried to use that again on Malfoy. Although this time Ron was the one who suffered it. He had a broken wand, so it backfired on him, but he was sticking up for Harry. And I mean, if you're a 12 year old and you're just pissed at someone, who are you going to like fire off at? And what are you going to say? Eat slugs was awesome because it's like, I'm not going to kill you. I'm not going to ruin your life, but I'm definitely going to fuck you up inside. I mean, I got to wonder, too, like, did Ron Weasley know that this was a spell before using it? Slash, where did he learn it? Because it's such an obscure thing to pull out. But as you said, it's just a beautiful way to stick up for his good friend. And um, either way, it's genius, though. Like, if he knew it, he's had to be like, I'm going to use this at the perfect time. And then he did. Or if it was a heat of the moment thing and he's just like, I'm just going to try this. What's the first thing that comes to my mind? Eat slugs. There's no way around saying that it is the number one spell. Yeah, I mean, so iconic and also adds to the story in a beautiful way. Um, I hope that everyone appreciated that little segment talking about our top five Harry Potter spells. Next time someone inevitably asks me, I now have a whole podcast to refer them to just send them the link baby yeah well moving on we are going to talk a little bit about the old game of 
football because week one just happened um as we said we might not get a chance to do another one of these podcasts for a while and it has been a tradition on potty train me to kind of preview the upcoming season we did it in both 2021 and 2020 and i think those were some of our more enjoyable episodes yeah so I know that our listeners do want to hear about our thoughts and opinions for the upcoming 2022 season. We're sorry we couldn't get this out before week one, but obviously there are still a lot of unknowns and good stories to talk about as the season moves forward. So I'm going to hand it off to you now to talk about one of our favorite teams. Well... I have nothing against this team and no reason to really hate them, but it has bothered us a little bit that we think a certain Philadelphia Eagles might just be a little bit overhyped coming into this year. But the problem is the great Eagles, as we like to call them, now might just walk their way to 11 wins because the Giants, yeah, I know they're 1-0, but you can't tell me that that team is actually good. I think that they have a chance to build something and go in the right direction because it'd be hard not to improve from last year. But they're nothing special as presently constructed. The Washington Commanders, I don't know if their defense is going to be good, if Chase Young is really going to be himself when he returns to the field and all that. Jack Del Rio somehow is still in standing as the defensive coordinator after everything that's happened, both inside and outside of football with him. And let's face it, Carson Wentz is just not that good. And so you might be asking, what about the Cowboys? Weren't they good last year? Well, I think they were already going to be worse, but Dak just messed up his hand and is out for like six games. Yeah. Um, so those are the three division opponents for the Eagles. The NFC East has been a very weak division throughout the past few years. And, you know, obviously we've been wrong before on this podcast. It's possible that one of those other three teams ends up being a lot better than we expect. But at the present moment, it does seem like the Eagles are one of those teams that might have an easier schedule throughout the coming year just because of the nature of their division opponents. Um, and also, the NFC is so bad, at least from what we know right now. We don't know if the Niners are going to be that good because Trey Lance is still a big question mark. The Rams will still probably be good, but they looked terrible in their opener. And then the Buccaneers, I'm sure, will be good with Tom Brady and uh, just Todd Bowles is a good coach. And I think they'll be nice. We don't really know with the Packers or the Vikings. So the Eagles might be able to be competitive in the NFC, but you cannot tell me they're like a top 10 team in this league. Yeah. I mean, I think that the Eagles are a team that probably because the NFC doesn't have a lot of teams that seem poised for a great run right now, they're going to get hyped up a little bit too much. I also think that a couple other teams such as the Minnesota Vikings, especially after their dominant week one win against the Packers, as well as the New Orleans Saints are getting hyped up a little bit too much at the moment. I understand that they have a lot of talent, but I'm not entirely sure that they are Super Bowl caliber teams and they seem to be getting a little bit too much attention at the moment. True. Very true. Well, one of the biggest games of week one for a variety of reasons was Broncos at Seahawks. And there's a ton of underlying storylines, of course. The big one is Russell Wilson returned to Seattle after the potential dynasty that they almost had. They did win a Super Bowl, were literally inches away from winning a second one. Uh, then you have Nathaniel Hackett gets his first game as a head coach. You had the whole thing with kicking a long field goal at the end and not going for it. Geno Smith. He ain't right back yet, but there was actually one other headline that got a little bit buried, and I think the Seahawks might be the team from heaven in the NFL this year. Yeah, I mean, I was watching that game, and I couldn't help but notice that on their defense, they have players named Michael Jackson and Kobe Bryant, which 
I mean, obviously, that's just funny in the sense that they both have the same name as very famous celebrities, probably the two most prominent celebrity deaths in our lifetime. So, you know, maybe they need to sign someone named like Prince Rogers or something, or maybe like, I don't know, Queen Elizabeth. That might be a bit of a stretch, but um, Queen Elizabeth, definitely a team from heaven. Wow. Okay. well, let's do some of our classic week one overreactions and maybe some things that might not be overreactions as well as predictions for the season. I guess I could start. Uh, I think one thing that's not necessarily an overreaction is that this Patriots offense is garbage. And that's weird to say because they've been amazing for our entire football watching lifetime. But Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, the two guys running this offense, it just doesn't seem like a good recipe. Mac Jones isn't necessarily a bad player, but does he really have the highest ceiling? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. They definitely looked very shaky in that first game, and I agree. I am not convinced that they're going to be able to turn it around this year. Another thing that might not necessarily be an overreaction is that the Atlanta Falcons are in fact a cursed franchise after that brutally blown 16-point lead in the fourth quarter against division rival New Orleans Saints. Um, They have a whole new coach, a lot of new players, um, and it's really just a different team entirely from that one that blew the 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl, but yet... They continue to amaze everyone by finding ways to lose games that they have comfortable leads with. Um, I wish that it wasn't the case, but it just seems like the Atlanta Falcons have some divine intervention working against them. Yeah, very much the opposite of what's going on with Mr. Brady over there. Uh, One more non-overreaction that I think is very much worth mentioning because people have been asking me about this one. For the entirety of the offseason, the Packers are certainly in decline mode. And that doesn't mean that they can't win their division because I don't know if their division is very good. The Vikings are still very much to be determined. I don't think that they'll be worse than the Lions or the Bears. But without Devontae Adams, some of their flaws are really starting to show. And I mean, yeah, I think their Super Bowl window in the Aaron Rodgers era is certainly looking closed unless it becomes a thing as it did in 2010, where they get hot at the right time and everything works in their favor. Uh, I don't think that they're very much one of the elite teams in the league, and I don't see them having a super successful regular season. Yep. Well, is there anything that happened in week one that you think might just be a bit of an overreaction. Yeah, as strange as it is to say this, I think we can all pump the brakes on the Bengals. I don't think the Bengals are set up to go win 12, 13 games in this regular season, but I don't think that they suck either. I think people are a little bit all over the place with them. They either got way too wrapped up in the Super Bowl run or there's some people who are kind of haters and just think that they were terrible and clearly will not be the same this year. I don't think either reaction is really worth it right now. They had four turnovers against the Steelers who kind of deserved to win that game, but also presented many opportunities for the Bengals to win it. Evan McPherson was nearly perfect last year, and then he had a terrible game. So, I mean, it just happens. I think that was one overreaction that's worth pointing out. And obviously the Rams being bad is another overreaction, but I don't think that that's a super widespread narrative. Yeah. I also think that there were a few big upsets this week, a couple teams that people thought were just going to be God awful, who actually ended up winning in week one, the Seattle Seahawks beating Russell Wilson was an example um the bears upsetting the 49ers and then we talked about earlier the new york giants winning this week i think that all of those teams um i don't know i'm not entirely sold that they're going to be able to outperform expectations even though it was big week one wins um i'm just in particular the seahawks i think that 
it was a very emotional game for them. They came out very pumped up, but I'm not sure that they're going to be able to maintain that energy throughout the season when it seems like they're so clearly in rebuild mode. And, you know, you talked about the Giants earlier. It's possible that they will improve, especially given kind of the dysfunction that's been going on in that franchise for the past few years. But I'm not convinced that they're a playoff team. And the Chicago Bears, I I mean, I shouldn't even be talking about this one as an overreaction because I don't think there's a lot of people that watched that game and thought, wow, the Bears played really well. I think it was more that the San Francisco 49ers choked and Trey Lance looked a little bit unprepared. But yeah, they are another team that I think is kind of still in rebuild mode and working towards something bigger. And I don't think that they're going to be ruffling many feathers throughout the NFL this season. That is all very fair. We're going to learn a lot more in week two. All we've learned so far in week two is that I think Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are okay. Uh, Justin Herbert is definitely the guy you want throwing the ball if it comes down to a fourth down or everything is on the line. And I really hope that those x-rays come back negative. Yes, absolutely. Well, one of the things with this summer on one of the more recent shows, I talked about how coconut water was a shout out I gave because that was sort of a little theme of the summer as I was trying to use less caffeine. I know I am such a sicko for that one, but another part of the summer that we've really taken advantage of is the Peloton. Yes, absolutely. Uh, It is such a great way to get a workout in. I mean, granted it is located in our Uh, garage with no circulating air often in the 100 plus degree days so a very stuffy place to have a workout but you know it's a great way to kind of blow off some steam get a quick workout in without having to be super creative and do something yourself or having to drive or walk somewhere else to get that done um you know in the peloton they have a great selection it goes beyond just the bike you got a whole app you got running classes you have different programs that you can do guided by some of our favorite instructors but the bike is really the thing we take advantage of if we are home because that's where you can't get it anywhere else and we were realizing that maybe they need a good slogan, uh, maybe a smart marketing play just as we get into fall and people start transitioning into season football is back. So a lot of people, fans of activity and sports might be a little bit more focused on that. And I believe we thought of maybe something they could use. Yeah, uh, because we've been promoting Peloton for like the past minute, it's only right that we give them a good slogan. Um, Greg, you're the one who came up with this, so I think you should be the one to say it. Well, I can't really take credit for this when a certain NFL quarterback is the one that put a trademark on it. But Peloton, let's ride. (laughs) Need we say any more? It's concise. It is timely. And it is a bike company, so it definitely applies. Peloton, if your representatives are listening, please hit up Potty Train Me and we can get this new marketing campaign rolling. Unless Broncos country blocks it. (laughs) Oh my. Uh, Well, you know, this is an episode that we kind of just planned somewhat sporadically. Not that we didn't put effort into it, but we wanted to get through all of our favorite segments and it would be wrong to do this what's next episode without an every slap tells a story and you delivered on a promise that i'd actually like to bring back up which was you were going to be singing your lyrics live for the microphone today yeah um so thanks (laughs) greg um i've been practicing i've been working on my vocal cords for the past couple weeks or so um, because this is really important to me. Um, and, you know, I hate to flake at the last minute, but my um, my choir instructor informed me that because the big performance is coming up in a week, it's a really bad idea to exert them um, right now. So unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to do that. Um, but 
you know, once I drop my album, I'll make sure to put it on the Potty Train Me website so you all can hear me sing my Every Slap Tells a Story. I kind of thought you were going to do it. I have to be honest. I'm, I'm slightly disappointed here, but I do understand choir teacher, uh, Mr. Philip, just he rules all. So, oh, that's OK. You know, I, I guess it's not going to be the same kind of mark that I leave here because I, I certainly won't sing. We all know that nobody wants to hear that. And um, well, really, I just I'd like to cite the teacher of all lessons. And his name is Thomas Petty in this one. You know, he's had some of the best pieces of wisdom that we could have asked for, such as, uh, you know, you're running down a dream. The waiting is the hardest part. Uh, hanging out at the zombie zoo. I mean, just not backing down and so many amazing memories to be left with and so uh, i would like to just cite a couple of lines in I, is it maybe it's in both songs maybe it's it's actually in two songs oh, because wow. it could be walls number three and walls circus but um wow. <clears throat> you know regardless of what happens when this episode ends i just want everyone to know that some things are over some things go on. Part of me you carry. Part of me is gone. Wow. That was beautiful. That was poetic. And I mean, every slap does tell a story. That one tells a story about Potty Train Me, its current status, and where it's going in the future. So, you know, with that, I think we should move on. And, you know, because we don't know about the future of this podcast, we should, you know, do some self-reflection, reminisce about some of the best memories and worst memories that we have had as a participant on this podcast. Um, we should start more off than just a participant, a participant and a host, a creator, um, a TV personality, not a TV personality, but a podcast personality. Yeah, just big stars. Yeah, you exactly. Gone for. Well, I'll start with one of actually it's kind of both. I think that the back on the Dwayne gang and back on the Zane gang episodes had some elements of both awesomeness and sadness because those were our football recaps. I think one of them was a week one recap and the other was like a playoff review. And we got really into back on the chain gang puns with Dwayne Haskins and Zane Gonzalez. Uh, the sad part is that back on the Dwayne gang, was a take that aged about as poorly as it could have. And when Dwayne Haskins was in Pittsburgh and in the process of trying to create that redemption arc, he tragically passed away at just the age of 24. So that was a very sad part of it. I do think that Back on the Zane Gang was maybe my favorite episode of the 37, which is really saying something. I, I can't say that definitively because I'd really have to go back and think, but... I have to say that when I listened to a little chunk of that, I was like, wow, this actually was way less trashier than I thought it was. <laughs> certainly entertaining. Yeah, uh, I agree. Those are two of my favorite memories um, from this podcast. I think that they're super fun episodes. Um, but when I want to talk about the best memories I've had on the show, I'm going to take you all the way back to my debut when I made a special surprise guest appearance during the episode in which ESPN legend Jeff Darlington joined us. Um, it was such a great introduction to the potty train me experience and really gave me a taste of what it might be like to be a permanent member one day. Um, we had some iconic moments on that podcast, such as when we congratulated him on getting inducted to his college fraternities hall of fame. He gave our mother a shout out. We know we roasted him for kind of being a Tom Brady fanboy. Um, and that's ultimately what inspired me to further my involvement with this amazing operation. Yeah. The Jeff Darlington episode was really one for the ages. If you're listening to this and haven't listened to that one, we recommend that you go check it out. I believe that was episode five. If I'm not completely mistaken but yeah uh, lots of good ones I mean I think that I'd have to also add in there 
that I got to connect with old friends, my kindergarten pals, Alexander and Zevin, who I've had on the show numerous times since then because they're big Warriors fans and they know a lot about the NFL and the NBA. And we've had some great times reminiscing there. And given that this is something that started during COVID when we were all separated out and isolated and ended up being something that ultimately brought me back together with old friends, I think when you take a step back and look at it from that perspective is something that was very, very cool for me, regardless of how many people listen or who actually is interested in the things we're talking about or uh, if this would get me jobs or just that sort of thing. And so that was a lot of fun. And I ran into Alexander and his family at Cactus Taqueria in Oakland a couple weekends ago, unplanned. So that was a bit of a trip. Wow. Well, podcasts really do bring people together. That is the moral of the story, um, which is kind of leads into one of my other great memories from being a member of this show. Um, this actually isn't necessarily something that happened when I was an active host, but I remember when I was still a distant admirer, I was listening to an episode in which your good friend Owen Finney oh, here we go. was uh, one of the uh, guests. And during the famous Potty Train Me shout out to section, I received a shout out from him. And that really just warmed my heart and inspired me to give him a second shout out later on down the line. Um, so much like you were able to reconnect with your old kindergarten friends through Potty Train Me, I was able to grow closer with the great Owen Finney as a result of the iconic last section of potty train me if there was a bar graph in terms of <laughs> things that have been shouted out it would be all these random things at like the one bar and then owen finney way up high <laughs> at like four or five so he's certainly the shout out king i think i shouted him out once too wow which is just insane so we'll get more to shout out to in a moment uh you know closing it out with a couple of mine before we give me more some of yours if you have them. But I think that uh, I have some just funny ones in general. I think this is kind of good, kind of bad. But one time you were driving home and I asked if you listened to the most recent one because this is when you were taking a bit of a break, being a super busy boy, big college guy over here. And I asked if you had listened to the most recent one out and I don't remember what that is and you said no but I actually listened to the one with Chris Williams and I have to say it was like really good like I, I thought you guys did a great job it was not like the trash that we put out and it was like kind of a compliment but also like dude what the hell first of all you're also insulting yourself <laughs> because I was also on the Chris episode so what's the only difference there uh yeah I can't believe you insulted our pristine content like that but that was funny the beer dye episode certainly a top three highlight on the show for me because everybody has a podcast everyone's got social media everyone's got stories to tell and everybody has their own way of wanting to be seen but as far as i'm concerned there aren't a lot of exclusive behind the scenes in-depth interviews with like participants of a 24 hour game of beard eye. I just think that it was a one of a kind thing. It was kind of done as a joke, but also my four guests did a killer job and I had a really good time with that. So that's going to live in fame for me. Yeah, absolutely. A podcast about a 24 hour game of beard eye. As you said, that really is a unique um product on the market these days um and it will be eternalized forever um if i do have one bad memory about being a member of the show it would probably be the podcast that we had to do after the green bay packers latest playoff exit to the san francisco 49ers when we were both heartbreaking of course this episode was called nothing left to say but goodbye uh, a nod to one of the segments, Every Slap Tells a Story, in which we kind of talked about uh, how you know we grew up as really big Packers fans, but they broke our heart, <laughs> P 
postseason after postseason. And, you know, we both kind of felt a little bit fed up with the franchise after that last season when Aaron Rodgers also kind of started doing some questionable things off the field and became a little bit harder to admire. So that was probably my least favorite episode to record. But, you know, the vast majority of my experiences have been positive up until this point. And of course, we aren't going to end on a negative note, because unless you have anything else to add now, we're going to move well, well, I guess, yeah, yeah. I guess I'll okay. add like okay. one more thing, okay. which isn't really like a specific memory, but just in the spirit of kind of like reminiscing and uh, talking about a lot of things, I just feel like and I'll try to keep it short. But to put it simply, just learning how to not give a shit was also a rewarding part of this podcast. Like when I started this with JJ and then got all these guests and ultimately brought you into it, it was just a way of trying to get reps behind a mic and have a little bit of a passion project. Like I wasn't searching for credit or glory or anything like that. We were living in a world when COVID was shutting everything down and there was not really much to do. And we missed sports. I mean, the first episode was talking about the nostalgia of sports. And so I started doing the radio stuff a couple months before COVID and then just everything kind of shut down and I wanted to do what I could to continue it and ultimately got you on as a co-host. I made you sign a real contract and everything. And just I've been around some really cool people who have just really blocked out a lot of the superficiality and stupidity of the world around us that is so prone to criticism and yelling into a void, especially through the internet and social media. And so uh, just learning how to not really care about the self-promotion aspect or like not really worry as much about if people would want to listen or how what they thought of me or if I was being annoying, just kind of a valuable thing to learn because it's not one of the aspects I really anticipated starting up this whole thing. But uh, it's just been fun. It's It's been cool and i think it's like propelled me into new chapters wow um that's such a good perspective to have um i'm glad that you know the podcast had these positive effects on you in ways that weren't necessarily anticipated um and you know in addition to what you just talked about and how it kind of allowed you to learn these valuable lessons it's also more directly going to help you, like, as you said, getting reps behind the microphone, which leads me to my shout out. We hinted at this earlier, but I am going to shout out your newest podcast with Believe Screaming from the Sidelines. Um, It is a podcast about basketball specifically um, with kind of you know, focuses on advice for betting. Um, And although it's mostly going to be about the NBA and the WNBA, if there are big stories in the world of college basketball or any other leagues, you know, those are going to be mentioned as well. So, you know, if you like Potty Train Me at all, um, you know, you got to try listening to the Believe podcast, Screaming from the Sidelines, where you're going to get some stellar advice from one of the best experts in the field. Um, and if you want to make some cash on the side, you got to listen to it so you can know how to place wise bets. Well, thank you very much for the shout out. Yeah. I certainly did not force that down your throat. I want to be clear, <laughs> but yeah, I know it's going to be hard to believe when I say this, but I spend way less time talking out of my ass on that podcast <laughs> than I do in this one. Betting wise, I'm still learning a lot, but I did a lot of behind the scenes work for a betting show uh, the last NFL season. And so my record throughout the WNBA playoffs has actually been pretty good so far. I think we're at like five and two on a lot of my picks, uh, which isn't necessarily always a pick of a team or a spread. It's tried to touch on other aspects like over under or certain players that might have a good game. I hit the, what is it? Hit the nail on the head. Is that the expression? Yeah. With Kelsey Plum having a nice bounce back game in the finals. And um, I'm looking forward to continue 
to represent Believe and try to just have a good show. Uh, man, I guess for my shout outs, well, if you're going to throw some glitter in my direction, I'll, I'll do it back to you. I just have to shout out all your ridiculous shout outs on the show, starting with melatonin and evolving into so many more <laughs> ridiculous things that I could never come up with on my own. It really added an identity to potty train me that couldn't have been found anywhere else. So it made the segment what it was. I would also like to shout out Ron Weasley one more time, perhaps the greatest sidekick in the history of mankind. And lastly, just shout out to anyone and everyone who was a part of this. Probably way too many names to go and list, but we really hit all sorts of areas. We hit like serious interviews, like we got Eliza Pierre and Ja'Cory McLaughlin. We got Phoebe Schechter and her crazy unique story. But then we also had some ridiculous ones like Jeff Darlington. I got our good friend Ian Weeks on the show to talk about working the polls. Um, we got our sister Natalie on for a holiday special. We had my good friend Serena Morales on most recently. And so we've really just had a very eclectic pool of personalities that we've brought into this whole thing. And I'm very thankful for everybody's time as a listener or even a participant. Yeah. Wow. Um, lastly, I did want to shout out my choir teacher, Mr. Phillips. I promise I won't let you down. Um, and also, yeah, to second Greg's last shout out, anyone who was a part of this, thank you for making this such an amazing experience. All of our wonderful guests and our loyal listeners, um, you do always hold a special place in our hearts. And even though this may not necessarily be the end, we're certainly at a transitional phase and we wanted to take this opportunity to get an episode in while we can. So, Robbie, thank you for all your hard work and being just a fantastic co-host that added a little bit of seasoning I never could have provided myself. And thank you, Greg, for being the lead man of this operation, putting in the countless hours for brainstorming, editing, finding guests. It really couldn't have been done without you. Well, we're going to sign this one off with a sponsor, actually, because we haven't really done that in the past. But we do have a special sponsor for this episode. And I mean, needless to say, I think you guys all know who it is. Go get yourself a Peloton. Let's ride. Thank you.